What's poppin', what's poppin', what's poppin'? Welcome to Get Moose. I'm Nikki. That's Moose. What's up, Moose? What up, y'all? And on this episode, we're gonna be talking about, yes, Drake finally came out. So we're gonna give our reactions, but especially the lessons that we got out of this launch. We are talking about the queen herself, the media mogul, and four tips to her success. Yes, we are talking about Oprah, okay? And then uh, business owners, we got some really good news for you. If you've been trying to get a business space, you may want to listen in on this episode. And then uh, a throwback lessons on a very nostalgic show, The American Gladiator. Moose, how do you feel about this episode? Hey, success leaves clues and we're studying one of the best. So make sure to tap into this one. Let's get into this intro. Two kids from Queens cut from a different cloth. Now joining forces, helping you to elevate your personal brand. Yeah, I'm talking about Nikki and Moose, bringing you a never before seen perspective into the mindset, the mentality, the behaviors, the driving force. But more importantly, the stories behind the people and brands that you know and love the most. And of course, this episode is powered by Ecamm Live, the number one all-in-one streaming platform that not only allows you to stream on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, all the social media platforms, but is amazing for pre-recorded videos or even your Zoom calls, Google Meets, whatever you do, it's amazing to have a really dope presentation, okay? You look amazing, the show looks amazing, your trainings look amazing, it just does amazing things. And we give it away for 14 days for free if you go to www.nickyandmoose.com slash ecamm, okay? And get the 14 day trial on us. Moose, how we feeling? Man, feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good. I've been telling you I have uh, a lot to share uh, oh, do for this tell. one. But do tell. Where are we going first? Just, just, just so much, you know, so, so much has, has happened this week. I mean, Drake dropped an album. Are we starting there? I'm going to save my comment. No, I'm going to save my comment. I'm going to save my comment for that until you actually, you know, until you, maybe you, you, depending on what you have to say about that. Well, yeah, we just started there if you want to. We're here now. No, you no, mentioned I, I it. Just, I just, I, well, because well, there, there's other things, you know. Uh, like there's what? there's other things. So let me tell you, let me tell you like, let me tell you like two or three real quick, tree, right? Tree. So, yeah, two or three. So uh, I, I guess to, to, to borrow from uh, CJ's uh, uh, and the S2S podcast real quick, fear or foul, um, I'm like five away from 10K on Instagram. Okay. I post a happy birthday tribute to my wife. It's amazing. And I get like blowing up. Mad unfollowers. Oh, unfollow? Yeah, I was like, yo. I'm like, yo, come on. Like, oh wow. Yeah, so that so that that was uh that wasn't cool. I was like, dang, like really? Are you, you lose followers because I uh you know say happy birthday too. So yeah, I thought that wasn't cool. Okay. Um, That's sad. That wasn't cool. There's always but, unfollows every week, so maybe you just yeah, looked at yeah, it. Yeah, this no, time. for sure. Probably, probably. On the brighter side, I was doing a whole lot of decluttering today, a ton of decluttering. I mean, we got one, two, three boxes that are going to storage, a ton of garbage being thrown out. We're just like letting things out all over the place. But ironically enough, I came across the quote unquote receipts, as people would say, from my hospitality business. Mm. And I'm going through all the records. And you know what's so cool about it is like keeping records of everything that happens, even paper records. I know people always say, of course, if you can use video to document the journey, but keeping paper records is not bad either because it took me through down, it took me down memory lane of getting the company registered, starting my first bank account, receiving my first set of checks or check, and uh, going back and forth with different things as it relates to taxes and the IRS and unemployment insurance and all those things. I was like, man, it really take a lot 
to start up a business. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of myself. You know, like I'm proud of myself for having gone through that chapter because I'm just looking through tons and tons and tons of stuff. And I'm saying, all right, some of this I'm going to save notepads, like big, long legal pads that I've taken notes and drawings and all this stuff. And uh, I know I know in the moment I, I could tell you in the moment, I didn't know that I was doing all of that. Uh, but now looking back on it to see like, yo, you actually wrote some of this stuff out and it took place and and that was a chapter and that chapter came and left and you're in another season now doing other things. And it's just a nice reminder to be really present to all of that happens because I know entrepreneurship can sometimes feel like a whirlwind, like you're just going through through it all and you don't realize all that you're doing, but we do a lot, man. It's, it's, it deserves to be celebrated. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you feeling though? I'm I'm Gucci. I'm I'm I binged off of. I don't even know how I got here. Um, it's called Muscle and Mayhem, the like unauthorized uh, story of the American Gladiator. Did Did you ever watch that show? Mm, no, I haven't. I really want to know about your childhood. I really do. You never watched American Gladiator. The, the, it was like these buff bodybuilders that would always face regular people. It's like Wipeout, but like with bodybuilders. Oh, okay. So you never sounds seen interesting. Okay, I've never, never seen, seen it. it. No, but but sounds okay. interesting. Whatever. Okay. Um, isn't so, there a movie Gladiator? Isn't there? Isn't I thought that was a movie. Amer- no. Google it real quick while I talk. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's see. You had American to see it. So, okay, for those people who who have it, it was um, it was on the air from nineteen eighty nine to ninety six, right? But their journey is very intriguing, right? So, like, their pilot, right? They had this idea. Their pilot, they they shot it. But for those people who know about the American Gladiator, it was literally bodybuilders who were athletic that was facing regular people who were trying to, you know, beat the gladiator in different like different games. So there was like uh, there was like a human cannonball kind of situation where the gladiator would stand on a high platform like 10 feet tall and the person would like literally swing and see if they could hit the gladiator off. They had the what's that thing joyce joyce whatever the thing with the stick y'all know what i'm talking about the thing with the stick that hit the people with the stick isaiah's gonna put it on the screen and probably make fun of me because i couldn't figure it hit out the people with the well, stick yeah the people yeah. they hit each other is two people <laughs> they have a stick and they're like whatever okay anyways so there was these games so the pilot right the first one was trash right super trash and realized that there was like no safety, like no pads. no. So this full-blown contact and uh, just think of wrestling, but with games and not really bad acting, to be honest with you. And it did so bad. And they were like, okay, we have to figure out how to sell this. So they cut it up into like a reel. So you could turn anything that's really trash and just cut it up to still make it appealing. Now, they had to sell this to like a big company, right? Like a network. So there was this convention that I guess does this part. I didn't know there was a convention that shops for shows. So instead of just leaving it on a TV, on a regular booth, they intentionally created like a boxing ring, a small boxing ring in this convention of like Caucasians and suits and had the gladiators like roam around and every just to get the attention where other people were just like, okay, here, here's my show. Here's my movie, whatever it is. Uh, They were proactive in trying to get people's attention. So I thought that was really dope. And understanding that they had to come up with a, like a storyline where, you know, their ratings weren't the greatest, but once they figured out, I need to do more of a David a David versus Goliath situation, 
a regular person goes and beats what everybody deems as like the gladi the, the American gladiator, then people started to watch and tune in that whole nine. So the storyline was very important. And what was cool was that this was this this was a show at the time where men and women still wasn't getting like super equal rights, to be honest with you. It was like either sex symbol or like not really important roles like that. In this show, the the men and women were treated equal. So they were just looked at as gladiators. They both both genders were were strong as hell, athletic. So it was cool because males and females looked at this show like, oh my God, that could, I want to be like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it attracted kids, it attracted adults, but of course, like, of it got real big and in the show, especially shows earlier on, in in those kind of matters, the the talent didn't necessarily get a lot of love as far as financial. So there was toys that was being done, tours, all that stuff, and they were getting just enough to get by. To the point where some of them, the original ones, were like, "Yo, we need a meeting with so and so, the big time person, and we need to get paid more, or like." We're going to have a problem. And they fired him. Mm. Right. It was like the original things. And so what the show thought and the network thought is that the show was big enough. Not like the gladiators didn't make the show. The show made the show. But once the, the original gladiators came, like got fired, the show took a hit. Because people connect with people, even back in those shows, when you create a storyline, people connect with people. So they eventually brought them back a little by little in different ways, but it still never fully recovered. So the the docuseries was really dope to see. And then, of course, you know, they have those personal stories where, um, you know, the, the because they were so big. They spoke about Hulk Hogan and how the use of steroids they talked about. And they were like, look, kids look up to y'all like we can't be a brand that's known as using steroids. Right. So it was a really dope uh, docuseries that like really broke down from from my end, because y'all know I'm always going to look at it from a branding side when we were talking about the convention, like. What are you doing to stand out in in like a busy crowd? Like, how do you stand out to mm. something you know you don't fit in? Two, the importance of storytelling with that whole David and Goliath, because when it was just like them facing them or just didn't necessarily have a structured storyline, the ratings didn't do so well. And now it went crazy. And then, of course... Uh, understanding that people connect with people because of that storyline and they started to connect with the actual gladiators that when you remove the storyline, when you remove some of the important characters, the whole thing is going to take a hit. So there was a lot of lessons in that docuseries that I was surprised that I gathered from it because I was like, man, I remember this. And it, and it has inspired other shows like Wipeout. You've seen Wipeout, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. okay, praise God. I've seen, uh, I've also seen, I don't know if you've ever seen like the comedy version of that show that is done, I think in different Asian countries. It's like hilarious though. Have you ever seen it? The Wipeout? Very similar. Very similar to that concept, but it's just filmed, I guess, some in different parts of Asia or you know, with Asian countries, but oh. it's hilarious. It's really they, funny. Yeah, yeah, they they probably I've probably seen it because anything with Asian translations is hilarious to me. It's just I don't know why yeah. because Priceless. they're always so dramatic. It's so Extra. dramatic. So that's that's you know that's one thing that I that I watched 
uh, this week. And then, of course, um, you know, the the release of, of Drake, the, that whole mm. launch situation. Um, I really want to know what you want to say. Like, you can't tell an only child. I'm going to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this later. So can can, can you tell me oh. about the Drake thing? So let me give you... For sure. Let me give you guys a business update first, because I do think this is this is necessary okay. for us, you know, creators and entrepreneurs listening to this. I, this is actually good news coming from the business sector. Uh, not to say that I am a real estate, real estate expert by any means, but this is important news. I'm, I've been studying this a lot for myself uh, because it's important, but I, I think it's necessary for me to share with everyone. So uh, just in the last week, uh, Fannie Mae, who is a big lending company, has released new lending guidelines, right? Specifically for multifamily. So for two to four units, you typically had to put down 20% to get approved for a two to four unit home or building. Now you you only have to put down 5%. Major, major update, right? Now that might get maybe some of the real estate investors or those who want to invest more revved up. But more importantly, the part that stuck out in that guideline that... I'm going to recommend a lot of you listening to this to look into it a little bit deeper, inquire, especially if you're looking to purchase your home or a possible investment property, whatever it is. You used to have to show two years worth of W-2s or even business income, right? Or business tax return, I should say. They're now only requiring you to show one year. The The big issue with that was you always had to choose between do I take less credits and pay more taxes so that I can get approved for a mortgage? Or do I just qualify for, you know, the write-offs that I need and and risk possibly not getting approved? So that was always a trade-off that people who worked for themselves or self-employed always had to really gamble or fight between. So with this new guideline, now that they're changing that, I think it's something worth a look. It's worth a look and, uh, you know, hopefully it's good news for people like us, man. Entrepreneurs, self, self-employed, self whatever the case may be. Uh, I think the marketplace is becoming more friendly to say, okay, there's a lot more of these people in, in, in the States now. Let's give them guidelines that can help them to get the lending options or whatever that they need. So, yeah, that's important, man. I think you guys should check that out for sure. If any may, the, uh, the new guidelines take effect November 17th. Why are you giving me that look? Like, you know, I was you like, what about Drake? <laughs> oh, well, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you about Drake. I said, let me tell you this first. I got to give you guys some like, business wait, news. Wait, what happened to Drake? Yeah. No, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you my, my thoughts on Drake, but I had to give some business news. It's like, this, this is important. I think this is necessary for the people, for those looking to buy a home. And I think this is great because I've, I've been through this stage where it's like, oh, I mean, you make great income, but uh, you see the way taxes are set up. It's like, oh, God. Not this conversation. So anyway, I, I think this is good news. Anyway, creatives, entrepreneurs, if you're self-employed, you have you don't have a W two. This is a uh, this is these are some good. This is good news for you if, if you're looking to buy a home. Um, on the Drake side, honestly, I'm a little less than halfway through. Uh, so through through the album so far, I don't know. I, I guess it's it's not super relatable to me right now, just because of the season of life I'm in. You know, so like I thought about that and I was like, damn, is like am I, am I washed? Am I am I am I not uh, uh, really connecting with with what's happening? But it's like no, I realize I'm just in a different season. Um, but I've enjoyed learning more about the things that have gone into the music and a lot of the the news that's come out since the album has been released. Right, so that that's 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 what I've enjoyed more than the actual album. I'm still going to push myself to get through it. I got to listen with you know, careful, uh, just take it easy or whatnot. But um, I, I, I like I like what, ha- what has come from about it so far, as far as the uh, the news, right? Like him, I, I guess I, I learned that he's going to take a break from music for about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to focus on his health. So I was like, okay, that's cool. And then some of the double entendres or all of this stuff, like they were breaking it down on TikTok. So I was like, okay, I, I, I guess he... I, I didn't pick that up. I'm not going to lie. That's not stuff that I usually pick up on the first listen. So it was cool to have access to that on TikTok. But just listening to it on my own, obviously, like I said, 
the uh, what it, what's the name of the album? This one's for the dogs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, uh, anyway. That's have you ever been? It. Have you ever been in the season to listen to Drake? Yeah, I love Drake. I think Drake's music is amazing. I actually one of my favorite. So what season? What season do you have? I'm I'm curious because Drake has always been in this very toxic. No, no, no. This, this one, this one, this this one is like uh, this one is strong. This have one, you not listen to views? This one, this one is stronger. This Can one you not is listen to more life? Yeah, more life is fine. I was, I was, I was not as uh, as spiritually awakened around more life. <laughs> so, or views? No, no, I was just saying views. Around views, I was not as uh, as spiritually, I was not spiritually awakened I was, until. I, yeah, <laughs> until you now. know, v, v, uh, more life caught me in a season where I did not. I had oh less life God, in me. Oh my God! That it was took like, me out. So okay, said, I could kind of. I could still relate with this a little bit. But no, this this one was just it's like oh, so ooh, wait, I gotta, so I gotta okay. listen carefully. You gotta listen carefully on this. So honestly, oh, never she's mind. Up Spotify, she's opening up oh, Spotify. No, no, listen, people. listen, I, listen. I, I see, I see, Cer- I see So certified hand. lover boy, you were in, you're in the. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me go. Let me go because I, I, I gotta see the titles. When, on when did you get spiritually thing. awakened? Which album? All right. <laughs> so, so. Let me tell you. Uh, when did it stop making sense? So uh, let's see. I definitely think Certified Lover Boy was de- like a stretch to to still tune in. I didn't love it. There's not a lot of songs from there that I'm looking through that album now. None of the songs on this album are saved on any of my playlists. So it lets me know I'm not really there. Uh, what's this? This one says Dark Lane demo tapes. No, that was that nothing. was more of like a mixtape. That was that had like yeah. two really good songs. So Scor- okay, so, so so Scorpion. Yeah, that's it. Scorpion. That's 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 when I was still into more life. One of my favorite albums, by the way. I love more life. More life. There's there's a lot of good songs on this album. Blam is one of them. Uh, Get it together. Yeah, there's a lot of great songs. I I love this one's one of my favorite albums for sure. For sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah, be, beyond that. So you weren't that, spiritually woke on that one. Yeah, no, I think I think I was close, <laughs> but not there yet. You know, <laughs> you know, it was that 2018. I, was, I think I was, that was. I was up, but I wasn't. I wasn't. Oh, woke. Tw- tw- 2017. You see, 2017, more life. I was. I was not there yet. I was. 2018, I was, I was, I was you like, were. Up. 2018, I was making progress for sure. Okay, I was there like, was yeah, progress. Come on, man. You got, yeah, yeah. There so was, there 2021, was you were. You were. Made. You were. Forget it. So you didn't uh, like saturated. the you didn't like the twenty one savage and and his one. You didn't like that one. Mm-mm. Outside of the main song that was trending on, you know the the social media different oh. platforms or whatnot. Yeah, I was I was not. I have I have not connected. So, so this one, just to me, in my opinion, it felt from a musical standpoint. I'm sure y- you have some insight to share on the the rollout, which of course I'm curious to hear. Mm-hmm. I did learn another thing that by having his son featured, there's tax write-offs or tax yes. advantages. So from a business standpoint, I like that. You know, that's cool. Yes. But uh, just musically, some of the some of the lyrics thus far, and I have to say, I've only listened to about half of the album. I, I think I've gotten through the rap portion, and now there's a little bit more singing. So the first the first album I heard, oh, the first song from the singing I heard today, it only took one. Like yesterday, I got through a good a good amount. Mm-hmm. Today, I heard that first one. I was like, God. Put the worship music on. I was at the gym. I was like, <laughs> switch this up. Switch this up. So, uh, what? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I just gotta be honest with the people, man. I, I'm married. I got a kid now. You know, I'm, I'm, a different season of my, I'm in a different season of my life. I, w- I wanna see that. Can, can Drake give us that kind of music? You think that'll ever happen? Why? Don't know. Don't know. We don't want that from Drake. Why would we want, oh, why would we want they so settle down? So you, you, so you guys want them toxic forever? Yes. <laughs> For entertainment purposes, you must be right. Toxic. Who's the uh, other one? Like, what's that guy's name? Brett, the R and B singer. Brett. Oh, hold on. Hold don't you gonna say Bryson Tiller? No, Bryson's another one. Don't get, don't get healed. Don't get healed. Hey, that sounds so mean, though. I don't it's care. Like... We know you for <laughs> toxic situations. Don't get oh, healed. Man. That Brett 
F-A-I-Y-A-Z. I can never say his last name. Brent is fire and is known as like super toxic R&B. And I don't want him to be healed either. But I think no, we just we rolled out a new, a new term for, for musicians. Tox, toxic artists. That's, 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 the, that's the category of music. Yeah, that's that's a been that's been a category. Anyways, yeah, no, I don't want no. It's that's not I don't want healthy married Drake. What would what would that sound like? What would what would that sound like? He really? showed some signs. He showed some signs. I mean, Where? There, wasn't there a song when? with Rihanna? What, what was the Rihanna song when when they were uh they were, you know, on one accord somewhat? I know I think that someone uh, one of the TikToks I saw. <laughs> yeah. Work? I don't remember a song name was that, but one of the uh, one of the TikToks I saw said that there's a there's a there's a line on one of his songs where he's possibly going at Rihanna. So I was like, you know, that not they, this they, year. They're, or not- they've been reaching for a lot of things. They think that he's dissing uh, the was that YB Youngblood guy NBA. What's that? Now I can't even say his name. Is it like NBA? I don't even listen to it because it sounds. Oh, young boy never. Uh, young young boy NBA. So they thought he was dissing him. They thought he was dissing Kanye. Uh, supposedly Drake, not Drake. Uh, Cole was addressing uh, young boy. So it's like it's a lot of people. Say whatever, but this this is what I'll say. Um, as far as the, so we gotta think about it like this, right? The, I think he went more of a typical album release, and let me break this down. Where not the fact that it was supposed to drop like three weeks ago and it hasn't, not not that part, but he actually dropped the single "Slime," right, with SZA, which was fire. Super fire, right? Then he dropped the 8 a.m. in Charlotte, which is like the freestyle that he always does. He does always 8 a.m., 6 a.m. situations. And that was fire, right? Meaning, the if you already dropped two fire situations, I don't know if I can expect the album to be all the way fire, right? Now, granted, we got to pay attention to uh, what his last solo album was, which was that, what was the Honestly Nevermind situation? Was it that one? The one with the go-go music and stuff? Let me make sure. Yeah, Honestly Nevermind was his his last solo. Because the, the one before that was, uh, the, the one that just passed was him in 21. So honestly, never mind. This is better than honestly, never mind. That, that is, could we agree on that? Could we agree on that? Take a look, just for confirmation purposes. I agree. Okay. Yes. So, so uh, CJ had actually um, texted me like, "Yo, so and so thought this. I'm not gonna drop name, drop it, but so and so thought Drake was mid." I was like, okay, what are we comparing it to? Let's 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 have that conversation. What do you mean by mid? What do you mean by mid? Like average. It's average, right? It's not what we expect of Drake. And I was like, what are we comparing it to? Are we comparing it to his last solo album? If so, it's fire compared to his last solo album. Um, he has slime, he has the the 8 a.m. one, and he has what's the he has J. Cole. That one's fire. The party next door, members only, that's fire. And the one that's going to go in all uh, radio clubs, that whole nine is going to be Rich uh, Baby Daddy with, sec- with Sexy Red and SZA, which I think was a smart play. And this is where I go. Uh, this will probably make Moose a little bit uncomfortable, but it's very relevant on this topic. Sexy Red is trending because of a leaked certain tape that came mm. out. And so people are looking that up. Then they'll see the Drake album as well. I think it's a genius move. 
right? Now the backlash that he's getting of this is a mid album from from a lot of people. I'm like, what more does Drake have to do? What what more? He did he dropped it at 6 a.m. first off, super not normal. He did a 3 a.m. stream. This is how we heard about uh he's not going to be doing music anymore for for at least a year to take uh take care of health situation cuz he has a stomach situation, right? Um so he did do a 3 a.m. stream to kind of uh see who, like people were listening because of different time zones. So it's his his tour is officially done and he ends it with an album. I think it's I think it's it's typical Drake. I think it's typical Drake. I think it's a good move. I think it's a solid album, right? If if we're counting base like how albums are right now, there's not many albums that are not skippable. Especially if you have how many like how many projects? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen projects in just Apple Music Library. That's not talking about mixtapes or anything like that, right? I mean, I think it's fine. I, I think it's absolutely fine. The the core, the core people probably find it's fine, and it's Drake. Right. I was. um, I was really trying to analyze like music and kind of putting it into content as well. Right. Where. We are known when. So if we think about music, our favorite artists, we're known they they're known for a certain style and probably we love a couple of songs. Right. A couple albums, whatever it is. And. Those people who are kind of like, they like that, maybe that song, but not the artist. Like, they're always going to critique, but they'll always go back to that particular song, right? That that particular album. But they're not necessarily core followers, right? So when there is a low situation, they're going to critique. So I'm, I'm looking at it from a, from also like, a content standpoint where I'm like, okay, if we put out enough content, there's going to be some things that people are going to be attracted to. They're going to remember us for this piece of content or this particular uh, podcast or whatever it is. And then the core ones are going to continue to watch, continue to champion that whole night. The other ones may fall off, right? But if you was to bring back the same reason why they liked you, they'll come back and be like, yeah, I love you. This is great. It's the same. It's, it's the same cycle. So this is this is just average kind of music. But Drake has nothing else to prove. He does oh, have solid sure. tracks. The rollout was successful. We were teased multiple times between the book between uh the tour between certain release dates and it didn't get necessarily dropped but i think it's a it's a it's a solid album that's just me how do you feel social media has impact the success of certain albums or even just artists in general now that so much of social media relies on music you know between whether it be different pieces of content or whatever the case may be. Like music is just so much more acceptable and accessible mm-hmm. on social platforms versus in the past. Do you think artists are banking on that? Or like, do you think it's more organic? What's your thoughts on that? So, I mean, some are making the clip worthy, you know, music that they know is going to go well with the, with TikTok reels and and that whole nine. And that's how a lot of people are actually being known right now. If you have something that everybody can make a, a dance to a skit to put to our, our, our content, boom, it's helping. Right. And we've seen Drake do that too. What was that song with the right foot up 
left foot slide. What what was what song was oh, that? Oh yeah, was it wasn't that the Tootsie Roll or something like that? I forget. Uh, Tootsie Slide. I think it sounds something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. I, I I can't remember, but he he did it. He he went with. Let me try to make a very trendy uh, TikTok sound, and it worked for him, right? It did. You make a trendy song, it's gonna work. Um, for others, I think it's just still the traditional kind of way. Like there's um, one person that I wish would go back to their old social media ways, which is Meek Mill. I feel like we've been waiting for Meek Mill to drop music for a while. This is my opinion, right? Um, and his presence on social media has been up and down that if he did the usual, let us hear some things, let us get hyped up about it. And then he drops, uh, I think it would work because it would work before. So there's some people who know how to use social media for their music. Um, just like any other project doesn't even necessarily have to be music, but I think we tend to either look at what's happening now and then fall back from what we used to work or we don't adapt with what's working now. Yeah, yeah. A lot to learn from the music industry as it relates to branding and marketing, though, that's for sure. That's a fact. So, uh, with all that said, let's talk about uh, the creator of the week. And this one, uh, I follow on TikTok, but found out he has a great following on Instagram. It's like over 500K. Um and this one, uh, this guy's name is Matt Gray, and he helps people with their personal brand, growing communities. But what really attracts me to this, his content is his animations, right? He has the, the pictures and the videos that goes along with his, what he's saying, and it's super trendy. I love it. Uh, I have a sample so you can hear it. What he says is very, very, is is all bars. But when you see the video version, you'll understand why uh, I picked him. People follow people, not brands. The future of entrepreneurship is founder-led. Apple has 8 million followers. Tim Cook has 13 million. Spanx has 500K followers. Sarah Blakely has 2 million. Tesla has 18 million followers. Elon Musk has 116 million. Founders often wonder, why the heck should I build a personal brand? I'm not trying to become famous. You're missing the point. Your online brand is your digital reputation. It increases your surface area for luck, community, connections, and cash flow. Build your personal brand. Let your reputation precede you in any room you enter. Grow your audience. Grow your community. Build a movement. Make a dent in the universe. Facts. Listen, enough said. Shout out to Matt Gray for the content that he puts out, the bars that he puts out. I just think his content visually is amazing. What he's saying is amazing. Uh, that personal brand one, as far as the founders, is so, so true. And hence why I bark about everybody should be creating a personal brand because it's just way too many benefits. So shout out to the creator of the week. Moose, did you know of this creator of the week? I did. I did. Oh. I did. I actually, I, uh, yeah, I came, I came across his stuff on the Explore page and I was wowed by the editing style because mm. it was, you know, for those of you who are listening, go check out the video or look him up. But the editing, I think it's just so dope. It's very simplistic, but also it has a visual appeal to it that almost is infusing the storytelling to mm. everything. So I, I loved it. Yeah, no, I think it's great. What he's doing is awesome. I like that. I like that. So uh, today we are going to go a little bit back to uh, people who inspire us and who have built, this one in particular has built an amazing uh, media blueprint uh, for us entrepreneurs, content creators. She's been in the game for years. She's a billionaire. She 
was the first black female uh, in the billionaires list in Forbes, I believe. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, of course, we got to talk about Oprah. Right. And how we're going to go about this is pretty much getting the clues of how she's built her brand, how she's built her media empire and just different clues, everything from how to start to like having full control of your platform to reinvesting in your business. We're covering it all today and I'm excited. So let's go with the very first one, very first tip from Oprah, which is, uh, do you go with your job or figure out your calling? Let's, let's, let's hear what she says. Your real job in life is to figure out what it is you are called to do. And you use a job until you can figure out what the calling is. Because a job is necessary to survive and you live in a world where you... So in my early days, I had a job. I had a job until I could figure out what it was really what that gave my life its purpose and meaning. So I love this clip because it gives us freedom to figure it out, right? Um, there are a lot of messages of, you know, go and jump, figure it out and find what your purpose and your calling is and Blah, 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 right? Uh, for those people who've listened to the podcast for a while, I'm a big advocate of uh, jumping strategically, right? So for her to say, hey, use the job and spend the time to figure out what your calling is and your purpose and like allowing, I see this more, especially for my nine to five people, how do we leverage the resources that the job gives us, the time off that the time the that the job gives us? You know, it, it, and it sometimes seems hard as far as, okay, if I work nine to five and then I gotta come home and work on my business and, and work on the the branding and marketing side of everything. But there's one thing you don't have to worry about, which is finances. And one, one thing that is super stressful in the beginning of starting entrepreneurship and in, in the beginning of becoming a media mogul like her, if that's the, the route that you're trying to go, content creator, how, whatever, is that we tend to create or uh, produce different products and services that we don't necessarily need to do because of money, because we're trying to go through the hustle way of, okay, I, I got to pay these bills. So I'm, I got to do, I got to work with everybody. I got to, if, if I known as a plumber, but they need uh, electric work, I'm already in the house. Well, I'm going to do handyman. I'm going to just do it all. Right. And with having that nine to five and that job, and, and this is just, if you want to go that route, right? But if you have that nine to five, you're, you have a safety net and will allow you to move a little bit different and a little bit more strategic and a little bit more clear-eyed of exactly what you want to do. And then when you have all the, the means and the resources, then yeah, leave your nine to five or leave it to where it may leave you a little bit uncomfortable, right? And so that could give you motivation to go harder on, you know, your calling on your business, but you leverage and use your nine to five. There's nothing wrong with starting there. She said that I started with a job and she's a billionaire. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a listen to her. You feel me? I'm listening to her. I'm mad at him. So, uh, one thing that, that Oprah is also known for is uh, Harpo 
studios and how she went about that is so amazing. So we got a we got a clip on that, too. She invested her early earnings into a 100,000-square-foot, $20 million production facility, which spanned an entire block of the west side of Chicago. And with the creation of this new production house, called Harpo Productions, she gained complete ownership over the show. All the jobs that were typically handled by outsiders, Winfrey brought in-house, hiring her own team to do the work of traditional marketing firms, on-air promotional services, post-production houses, and more. This lean strategy made Oprah self-sufficient and able to tape shows whenever she wanted. Man, we don't know Oprah the way we know her today if it wasn't for that move right there, right? You're talking about the foundation that allowed the own network to follow after as well as really just the great interviewer and maybe not so much just interviewer or uh, media personality, but the message that she wanted to infuse into the world that doesn't take place if she didn't take control. You know, some of the early stories that came up around that time or just early on in her career was that she didn't have full control over what she wanted to say or what, did she, what she wanted to show either. So to be able to recognize, and, and you gotta remember, I, I always put emphasis on this because anytime we're doing these success reviews and we're dating back to pre-2000s, let's just say that, pre-2000s, before the boom of the internet, and all of the education resources that are available to us. These are people who really did not know how to, let's not say they didn't know how to do something, but it just wasn't as popular to go against the network and invest into yourself, take the risk that you did. You were probably, I don't know, you represented three to 5% of the people who were doing such things, especially as, female and a minority, like a black woman to do that, I think is really impeccable stuff. But I just got to add emphasis, the fact that that move right there lays the foundation for everything we know her as today, right? So, you know, of course, people that come to mind, I think of Trap, when, when I hear this, people who are really following that similar blueprint and saying, yes, I have my own creative outlet. I, I have social media that I can express and show what I want, but how can I take that a step further to really maximize my output from a content production, for, from a content standpoint, right? Because ultimately, that's what you're in the business of if you're relying on content to spread your message and expand your brand's reach. So for those of you listening or watching to this, you have to really ask yourself, what else can you do to take another step further toward a content production house. And I don't mean like a physical building or something of that nature, but just something that really allows you to lay your foundation for the moves that you want to make into the future, right? Like I said, Harpo Studio, when you let, you know, I, I have a breakdown here of her deal when she partnered with Warner Brothers to bring about the own, own network. Now, the cool thing is you don't hear Warner Brothers really ever mentioned when you hear about the Oprah Winfrey network, right? The own. But that was a 50-50 deal that came into it. And again, what was the main foundation or the thing that she leveraged to make that deal happen? Harpo Studio. So for those of you listening, you know, uh, what's going to be your definition of Harpo Studio? Hmm. So good. So the, the third tip has everything to do with... Uh, what not to do when you're figuring out, you know, what your niche is, what your topic is, what your maybe even calling is. What do you what do you don't want to do? So let's see what she says about that. I started to feel that reporting wasn't for me. So I was torn between what the world was saying to me and what I felt to be the truth for myself. It felt like an unnatural act for me reporting. Although I knew that to a lot of people it was glamorous. And I will say this, knowing what you don't want to do is the best possible place to be if you don't know what to do. Because knowing what you don't want to do leads you to figure out what is it you, you really do want to do. 
I think that's so key because we've sometimes, even for myself, I'll focus on all the things that I want to do and not creating clear boundaries on what I don't want to do, right? Um, that I've made a lot of mistakes when it comes to client work to the point where I've traumatized myself to, I don't even want to necessarily do uh, client work because I never set those real boundaries of who I wouldn't work with and what conditions I won't work. I'm just like, if it goes in this topic, I'm going to go. I'm going to work with this person. I'm going to do these things. that, And I've drained myself um, from, from wanting to do anything afterwards. So the the fact that she emphasized on like, okay, I don't want to do this, 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 and it clears path of, oh, but I want to do this. I can do this. This is fine. I could. So maybe establishing those no's of what you won't do, who you won't work with, uh, shoot the hours you, you won't do at a certain time point. I'm not answering any you know, work calls, answering any emails, any of that, maybe figuring that out is going to allow you to know your schedule, allow you to know your ideal client, allow you to know what type of content you do want to create, um, how fast you want to scale. Those things comes clearer when we just figure out the no's, right? And then the last tip uh, has everything to do with narrating your own story, creating the change that you want to see on your own platform. And what my real contribution is, it looks like I'm a, I was a talk show host. It looks like, you know, I'm in the movies. It looks like, you know, I have a network. But my real contribution, the reason why I'm here, yep. is to help connect people to themselves and the higher ideas of consciousness. I was interviewing Ku Klux Klan, and I thought, as an African-American, oh, I'm gonna get them, I'm gonna show for every Jewish person, for every person who's been uh, discriminated against. And during the commercial break, I saw the Klan exchanging uh, signals and looks at each other. And then something inside, that instinct, I thought, I am doing nobody any good. They are loving this. They are using me. I think I'm doing an interview. Right. They are using me. They told me that they used that show for their recruitment. I could feel that happening. And I made a decision uh, after that show, I'll never do anything like that again. I'll never let my platform be right. used. And I said, never again. <clears throat> I will get out of television if I have to do this. And I went and I had a meeting with the producers. And I said to the producers, we are gonna change. We're gonna turn this around. Mm -hmm. And I'm no longer gonna be used by television. I am going to use television. What a concept. I'm gonna use television as a force for, for, I didn't say at the time for good. I said, you know, let's think about what we wanna say to the world and how we wanna use this as a platform to speak to the world. This part is so critical, man. You know, what's funny is that as I was doing some of the research today, she, I heard her say that story in a different video and maybe it wasn't with the KKK. I think it was even with another group where she tried to address racism and there were some really nasty comments made to her by people she was interviewing like during the show live where they had to take a commercial break, the whole nine really unprofessional. But what she did was, and this is why consistency and longevity are so important. She kept going. And by kept going, I mean, years went by. She brought those same people back on the show because say 10, 15, 20 years pri previous to, it was not common, again, for someone, a female of that matter, at that time at least, to stand up directly towards racism. But because she wanted to at least create the space, like she said, give her platform, she brought them on. Long story short, she brings those people back on and they're literally crying to her and apologizing 
in a different interview because of how they acted, right? It's like, you know, I'm so embarrassed, et cetera, et cetera. My point in all this is to say, there are going to be politics in everything that you do. Whether you know it or not, I guarantee you, there are politics in every single thing that you do. Inside, even inside of entrepreneurship, there are politics. You might think like, oh, I live in the corporate world because I don't, I don't like politics. In entrepreneurship, there are politics. In content creation, there are politics. The platforms that you use, there's also politics. But you have a very important decision to make. And the beautiful thing about the ability of humans to make decisions is that's where you get to maintain your power. You can sit there and cry and talk about, man, I can't believe there's still politics. I left corporate and came to entrepreneurship and look at this stuff still happening to me. Or you can say, similar to what she chose, let me focus on playing the game to manipulate it in a positive way so that I can contribute my greatness or my calling or my message that I ultimately want the people to receive in spite of whatever politics you know, there are. All right, so that's a decision that I think everyone has to make, especially when you enter the space, is do, I, do you get caught up in the mess or do you just work your way around it to focus on the main thing? Because ultimately, and I love how she said it, I think e, I heard E say this as well, it's like you're feeding people candy with the medicine wrapped inside of it. So you think you're getting the shows and the movies and the network, but what in reality, what she's serving you is something that she truly believes is important. Right, to get to know yourself or to discover your calling and your purpose. So that's so uh that's important, man. That's important. I I love that she stayed true to that despite of the growth and everything she had to navigate. X. So thank you, Oprah, for leaving the clues because I think each and every one of those, and that's just four of the many that she's left. But uh, right there tells us in, in my thought process of how to start from everything from the, the job to the calling to figuring out, you know, the, the do's and the, and the don'ts of your brand and your business to then reinvesting to then, you know, creating the change that you want to see. and that pretty much sums up everything about how to really just start and even in the middle side of building a brand and a business. So shout out to Oprah. Now, uh, let's get to the question of the week, which is brought to you by uh, an amazing follower named Tiffany. And uh, she said, should business focus more on customer retention or customer acquisition in the early stages of growth? Moose, this is all. Man. This is all you. This screams you. In your this is so crazy. Lime, yeah. Hoodie, screams. Thanks. I, I chose it myself too. I, I, I like this color. I think it's the. I think it's of the season. I think it, it may be, but it's. It's Pop. definitely, it's a good, it's a good nice. color on you. Nice shirt, by the way. I, I love that brand representing Queens. Yes. Yeah. Home, hometown. Yeah. I got, I got two shirts and a hat. It's great. And some stickers. Nice. I love it. So customer, so it's funny because I, I think I have survived, survived one of these seasons living in another. Right. Okay. And, and. And that second season is a bit interesting because it actually includes a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. So when I first, and, and I want to add emphasis to the fact that she said in the early stages of a business, the thing that I did when I first started was I focused on customer retention mm -hmm. because I never felt as though sales was my strong suit, right? Mm -hmm. Or so I thought, I think, I think we're all really great at acquiring customers or selling or whatever the case may be, but it just depends on how sales was presented to you and what, and what type of relationship you have with it. If you were presented sales the way I was presented with making 150 cold calls a day and having to force people into your service, you're probably, it's going to leave a sour taste in your mouth. At least that just wasn't my style of wanting to do business. But 
That's just the, the, the way I started. But I, I learned a lot from that experience. And so naturally, when I left, I realized that I was a much better operator. An operator in a business is someone who's really, really good at being able to maintain what is required and even exceed expectations so that customers never want to leave you. Right? They mm -hmm. don't think about canceling. They don't think about moving on. Whatever problems arise, you still find a way to land on common ground and keep those customers within your business. So that was naturally my skill set. So was that the best skill set for growth? No, but it did help to keep me afloat. So I, so I can't say that it was a bad thing, mm -hmm. but I will say that you really, it, of course, it's gonna come back to some level of evaluation of your natural skill set. If I can go back, however, and do it over, I would focus on acquisition first. Hmm. Okay. I'm yeah. at that. Mm -hmm. um, I would say uh, I would focus because I think I did the opposite. I think I focused on acquisition when I should have focused on retention. Right. Mm. So for me, I believe that figuring out the system, figuring out the ins and out of particular customers, clients, that whole nine, and making sure it's like sealed and deliver for the next person to come in. I think that's important in the early stages than necessarily grabbing a whole bunch of people. And you kind of know what you're doing when you're starting out, but you could lose a lot of people where I'm focused on you know, a small group and having them come back over and over and over again, telling a friend to telling a friend to telling a friend to then put money on ads to bring more people after I took care of these couple of people right here. Mm -hmm. So by concentrating on, on retention and seeing, okay, I could take for example, I could get $100 for them one month. The next month, I could get like another 100 The next month. So how much is that within a year? Okay, so let's grab another person who will allow us to pay 100 each month. How many do we need to do to make a certain amount for the year? That's how I, I need to look at instead of, okay, let's just bring more, more, more. Because, for example, we're we're dealing with that with, deeper than the brand where we have a large amount of people, but the engagement is not to where we want, where we feel comfortable with. And if we would have slowed down in the beginning to just focus on the customer journey, then we would see the results instead of fixing it now. Cause right now yep. we're in the fixing stage of, of that uh, engagement situation. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what's so so interesting is that a lot of entrepreneurs, and you could tell the experience of an entrepreneur based on what type of growth they have. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a, I guess, a known phrase around an inexperienced or not even an inexperienced, but just a new entrepreneur, someone who is maybe running too fast because they experience stair-step growth, mm -hmm. right? So their growth follows the shape of a stair-step. And by that, you go up, then you have to flatten out. You don't see growth for a while, you plateau until you fix some things, then you go up again and plateau, et cetera, et cetera, right? Where what I love about what you're doing now and even what I've done is you, essentially you wanna focus on both. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But but it's can you give yourself the runway to exactly what you said, figure out your customer journey, your process, your operational methods, how you're going to deliver on the promises that you're making when you're marketing. That's one of the biggest things. A lot of people, especially in today's era, it's so easy to go out and promise the world to your customers. But what's your method for delivering on those promises? Mm -hmm. the, the level that you're able to fulfill on promises is is a direct 
relationship to the credibility that you eventually establish with customers in the marketplace. So that, that in my opinion, is, is incredibly important when you talk about it, acquiring new customers or just building your business as a whole. And so to be able to do both, that allows you to experience what they call hockey stick growth, right? Which means in the beginning, it's going to be a little flat and then you're going to see a little uptick. But eventually you're going to have an upward angle of growth that's happening month over month. Why? Because you're adding new customers. You're still keeping a majority amount of the customers that you've had previously. And you're doing the same thing over and over month after month. But that means what? You have a system or a process that's able to maintain the new growth coming in while also servicing or taking care of the people who've come in prior to. That's the perfect balance. So I, 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 this, I it wasn't planned for us to have almost polar opposite starting points, but I think to land on essentially saying both, just take some time to figure out how do, what's going to be my strategy for acquiring customers, how will I fulfill that, and how do I do that month over month to keep growing my business in that positive direction, that, what do they call that, northeast standpoint. Thanks. So you let us know, people, in the comments, whether it is on YouTube that you're watching this. For my audio people, just go to our YouTube channel um, and and answer this question. Will you pick uh, retention or acquisition? You let us know. We want to know. Um, of course, we're going to continue these conversations in the after show which is on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we, we are now in the season of content therapy or business therapy. So uh, come through, uh, get on the couch with us because uh, we be talking about some real stuff. We be talking about some real stuff. Uh, and I got some things to talk about. So, uh, and then of course, follow us everywhere at Nikki and Moose. That's N-I-C-K-Y people, okay? Not N-I-K-I, don't, don't do that. N-A-C-K-Y um, and, and Moose. That's, Moose is not spelled differently. It's, it's always the same way, right? So go do that. And then Moose, final words. Yeah, I brought this one back on my Instagram, man. And I, I, I think it's, it's, so, it's, it's such an important lesson for a lot of us to learn because... If you think that you're going to be able to succeed without failure or to think that you're going to succeed without ever having to trip up, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But here's the difference that you need to understand and be very clear on. There's a difference between failing and being a failure, right? Failing is something temporary that happens. It's a, it could be a single act or something that may occur from time to time. But just because you fail, it doesn't make you a failure. Failure, however, is a permanent position. You're there forever. So just know, just because you failed, that doesn't make you a failure. All you have to do, as Aliyah would say, is dust yourself off and try again, man. Make, learn from your mistakes and keep going.